God to thee. Amen. Let's stand and sing that at your home. Let's sing how great thou art. Thou art. Oh, how great thou art. sanctuary. Praise him in the ferment of his power. Amen. The heavens of his power. Praise him in his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, with the psaltery, with the harp. Praise him with the timbre on the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Right there. Mom, praise him upon the loud cymbals. Joseph, Missed it tonight. He should be here right now. Praise him upon the high symbols. Let everything, that includes me and you, amen, praise him that everyone that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to praise him a little bit as we prepare for the word. My goodness, Joseph is in trouble. He must the memo. My goodness. We're going to sing. I want to sing broken chains. That's our. That's how great is our God because he can break every chain. And it would just been running through my mind over the last little while. And now we're going to sing this song. Let's sing it with all your heart. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song. You may bend, but you won't break. You may stumble, but you even lose your way, but you won't fall. Because God's words remain. Amen. Let's sing this song. Oh, the verse. Here we go. Oh, the journey that we travel in so winding There are times we stumble neath a heavy load. There's a voice to tell you you'll never make it in. Reminding you of all your failures and long begotten sin. You know within your heart God's blood 
has washed you white as snow. Oh, still in your mind, the battle rages and threatens all you know. But even if you're pushed beyond where you can't feel you stand, just remember you can't put your faith in God's unfailing hand. Oh, you may bend, oh, but you won't break. And you may stumble, and even feel you lost your way, but you won't Against this bride will ever stand a chance. Oh, now you don't have to listen when that voice says you're not free. Oh, for God ordained that you and I should walk in liberty. Oh, freedom's been proclaimed to all the captive and the bound. And in Jesus' name, those chains still fall broken to the ground. Oh, fall broken to the ground. Well, you may be, but you won't break. Oh, and you may stumble and even feel you lost your way, but alone. There ain't nothing that's going to stand before you. Amen. You might little stumble a little bit, but just pick yourself back up and say, Lord, I'm taking you at your word. Amen. You can't be bound by broken chains. Thank you, Brother Ryan, for that song. It's been blessed, I'm sure, thousands across the bride. Amen. You know the song, Everybody Will Be Happy Over There? You know that song? I know it's a little bit of a 
Well, we'll open the service in a word of prayer. I don't have any prayer requests in front of me. We have many in need, though. We need to lift them up and before the Lord in prayer. This healing touch would just touch them just like that in a moment. That's what Ryan wrote the song. In a moment. Amen. Brother John, is your microphone, is that even possible right now? I'm down here. I know usually I'm up there, but I'm hoping that the brothers can just open that up a little bit and bring our computer audio, computer feed there, Caleb. Bring the computer audio feed up. Maybe I can hear Brother John. Brother John, can, yes. you, can I hear you? Can you hear us, Brother Michael? Hey, Amen. Music to my ears. Would you like to open up the service in order of prayer, Brother John? Yes, sir, brother. All right. Lord, we're gathered together in your presence as one body, one heart, one faith, Lord. Claiming your blood, believing in your power of your redemption and your stripes, Lord. Believing all that we have need of is in you, Lord. And that's the attraction tonight as we've gathered into this place. With our hands lifted up, unspoken requests, needs in the body, many needs are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth us out of them all. So tonight we want to give you praise and honor and show by our presence that we love you and we love one another and we're inviting the Holy Spirit to minister tonight in a very special way. Come to every life, come to every situation, come to the homes and the offices and the lives of every believer. I pray as we heard this morning, you would give us cheerful hearts, believing hearts, May Satan be moved back. May evil be cast out. May sicknesses leave bodies. And may you strengthen and restore your people and your body. Anoint the remainder of the service and we give it to you gladly. Pour out your spirit, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. God bless you. God bless every one of you that's joined and connected tonight. It is sure good to see the faces sure appreciate it everyone that is able to do that and we greet you we greet you and we love you amen well i'm not gonna labor or hold this service too long but i just i i get very few opportunities to sing and to worship him and even though it's very quiet i do got sister margaret here she's gonna help sing a special for us just before brother tim comes out and, and we'll but we'll just uh i want to sing that song i was gonna sing a few services ago all that really counts all that's really true. I just uh, hasn't left my, my mind, and so I just think we could sing that. I know you might not know it. If you do, you can learn it tonight. And we can, we'll sing the verses, too. We'll put the verses up. The whole song of the LaFontaines. Amen. Here we go. Solomon concluded all his vanity. And now my heart believes that it is true and it took me all this time to find reality oh that all I ever really want is you and all that really counts all that's really true all that really
got a sweet song. Let's sing that. So take the grandest thing you know this life can give and wait in eternity's bright side. Oh, one thing I have learned in all this life I live, oh, that there is truly none but God. tonight, Lord. There's nothing. You can put it as the verse said. Weigh it with eternity's bright side. Take everything you know and weigh it. Nothing can compare to what eternity can offer you and what he can offer you. Amen. All I want, Lord, is you. Sister Margaret, let's just come and sing, Brother Dan. If you can find a cover up there before Brother Tim comes. Brother Tim, you can come as you desire. Brother Murphy sang this song a few weeks ago and I just thought, let's just sing it in, in worship to our Lord Waymaker. You are here, moving in our midst. And so I just, you just sing it at home, and you just say, Lord, you are here in my home. You are here in my little room, and I'm going to worship you. Don't worry about what's happening here or in this sanctuary, but you make your home a little sanctuary, and the Lord will meet you tonight through the speaking of the word. So we're going to sing sing this song, Sister Margaret. Would the Lord just have his way? Just let the, let the Lord move and Sing as you feel, and we'll just back you up and let's just worship him tonight.
Bless you, Brother Tim. Amen. He is the way maker. He is the mighty God. He is the one we've come to hear from tonight. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we are here in your presence. We thank you that we could come into the house of God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, whether it be to be here or to stream. Father, to to touch the hem of your garment with our faith. Lord, many times your prophet, when he had a at the come to the end of the service and calling people out of the congregation. He said, who did they touch? They're 30 feet from me. They're 50 feet from me. Lord, we don't have to just be right there, but our faith can touch the hem of your garment this evening. Lord, that's our desire is to just be in your presence and be pleasing to you, O oh God. May you just have the preeminence now as we turn back the pages of your word. 
We love you, Lord. We pray that you'll just bless this service to the hearing of every hearer. And that, Lord, may it anchor, as it were, the arrows of your love within each heart, we pray. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. A little bit different service tonight. Different service, different order tonight. Usually we're at the camp, Brother John, tonight. And uh, listening to you or one of the other brothers minister. And, and uh, we just want to say we're missing that tonight. You know, my, uh, uh, it's not our usual uh, Sunday evening service. Uh, we have, um, we usually on Sunday evening, my family is not, are not uh, Zoomers, we're streamers. And if you know the difference, and uh, I can see the Zoomers because they're here in front of me. And uh, I have a couple of little ones that are quite rambunctious, and so we're streamers. So Sunday night, we don't get the song service. And, and so it's a little bit unusual for us, but, but we make our own song service with the little ones. And, uh, uh, you know, I pull out the guitar and, uh, haven't done that for a long time, but recently I've been doing it and pulled out the guitar and, uh, we've been singing some good songs for the children. You know, uh, I'm too young to march in the infantry, uh, the Lord's army. Uh, my, although my son's favorite brother Michael is the Lord's navy. He prefers that version. And uh, uh, also, you know, uh, David, only a boy named David, and the B-I-B-L-E, and all of those great songs you were referring to Sunday school this morning, Brother Tom. And, and we enjoy that with the young people. You know, you have to make do with what you've got. You know, we're, we're not together. We don't have the Sunday school together, all of those kind of things. You know, I actually, I actually like playing the guitar, Brother Orn, uh, because... It's, it, there's like three chords, three main chords to every key. There's more chords, but there's three main ones to every key. So if, if I'm playing the guitar and there's a chord change, I've got a 50-50 chance to hit it right. <laughs> I knew you guitarists would enjoy that comment, you know. And I, I'm thinking my wife is, is sitting there on the couch thinking, you know, you're killing it, babe. And, and not in a good sense. You know, and, uh, just kind of like, oh my goodness. And, and, uh, you know, sitting there playing the guitar and, uh, I, I try not to kill it, so to speak, if we could say it that way. And what we have a good time with the children. And so if you're, if you're used to streaming like we are, you know, sing a few songs while you're waiting for the preaching and, you know, set the atmosphere there in your home. It's not limited to our great musicians and everything that we have here, but we can make our home a place where the Holy Spirit will move. And, and I want to thank Brother Tom this morning for the message, uh, even the parts that he preached from my notes. I, I want to thank him for that. And uh, it was good hearing my notes from somebody else. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't good. Uh, we didn't really enjoy that part, but uh, you'll you'll see where we overlap, and we trust that the Lord will make it a blessing a second time around. And uh, and so we we just know, but that's the way the Holy Spirit is, you know. I remember even when I was studying the last couple of days, I was thinking, you know, in in a particular part. Uh, as Brother Tom was talking about confidence and boldness and, and persuaded, and I was right in those scriptures. I even after the end, end of the service this morning, because we used my laptop to stream the service, I, I just pulled my notes up and says, 
Brother Tom read this scripture, Brother Tom read this scripture, Brother Tom read this scripture, and, and here we go. So uh, we trust that uh, God is reaching the destination with his word and finding his place within our lives as he wants to anchor these things down. And so let's take our Bibles, if you have them there, if you want to stand in honor of the word. Uh, I want to bring greetings tonight. Uh, Brother Tom from uh, Brother Stephen Abali sends his greetings and from Uganda asked to greet the brothers for him. So Brother John, uh, Brother Biskel, you're probably online somewhere here and God bless you and and, uh, Brother Abali sends his greetings. We'll be turning to the book of Genesis chapter 41. I have a time limitation tonight. not, not, brother Tom didn't limit my time. I don't, I don't want to accuse him of that. My daughter limited my time. She says, dad, if you preach, if you cut it off in good time, she says, I can switch over to Edmonton and watch Steve preach. <laughs> my son Andrew preached this morning in Edmonton. Steve is preaching tonight and I get the afternoon service. So there we go. It's, it's, it's a, I, I don't want to say, I told Brother Ed Hammeister, says, as long as they're not singing, our Dodd is awesome, we're okay. I says, we don't want to go down that road. You know, the Dodd name rhymes with God, and don't sing any of those songs. And we just have kind of a, a little bit of a pokey fun about that in our house. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think our God is awesome. And the way he does it, I'm so thankful. I, I would love to ha- have... Uh, uh, streamed all of the meetings today of all of them and, and including the ones that we had this morning here. And we just thank God for all of his blessings. Where would we be in this hour of great confusion without this message? Where would we be? Think about that in your own situation. Where would you be in this late hour with, with the, the, the rules and the, and, and the economy and the culture in upheaval and the countries are in upheaval and, and people don't know where to turn and people becoming depressed and suicidal and, and drug addicts and overdoses and all kinds of things happening out there in society. But we have our own rest. We have our own peace. We have our own joy. Our consolation, as we heard this morning, our confidence is in the Lord. And we thank Him for that. Amen. Genesis chapter 41. uh, And we'll begin reading it. uh, Well, let's pick up verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed and behold, he stood by the river. So I just wanted to pick that up. You know, sometimes the scripture can have multitudes of meanings. Uh, and, and God can use a scripture to answer a question that's maybe not even related to the scripture. I'll just relate a testimony here. And uh, I remember when I, I lost my first wife and I was, you know, looking to the Lord for the appropriate timing of of. Uh, being married again, he had already spoke to me about Sister Sarah and all of that, and and it really the main issue was the timing, and uh, and it was this scripture that the Lord reminded me of uh, that he actually brought my attention as I was thinking a lot about Joseph, and then he just dropped that in after two full years, and I said, 
I had to obey the Lord. <laughs> I had to wait two full years. And uh, by God's grace, he helped us to do that. So uh, we try and listen to the Lord. Uh, but just saying God can use the scripture in ways that we're even unfamiliar with or maybe in a different way. Let's jump over to verse 33. As Joseph now has been brought out of prison to give the interpretation of the dream. And he says in verse 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather to get, let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled, only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to rise in the second chariot which he had. And, he, and they cried before him, Bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And I want to turn to one more scripture. That's Exodus chapter 1. Just over a few pages. Exodus chapter 1. And verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Living at the time that we are living at the end of history, where we can look back over thousands of years of history and see the rise and the fall of nations in so many areas of the world. And so in those nations there have been leaders Men that have raised up, some great and some not so great. And some have built up the cause of their nation and built up the strength of their nation. And others have weakened their nations and have, have fallen short of, of maybe the potential of what their position called them to. And I was thinking of how, how much the leadership of a man can build up or can weaken. But yet, when we look at the weakening of nations, we realize that it's really the devil that deceives people because even Isaiah recorded it in chapter 14 and he says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground? Which did weaken the nations? 
And so it's not just the man, the, the angel, fallen angel himself, Lucifer, but he gets into men. And he causes men to make bad decisions. And he causes leaders to do the wrong things. And God uses nations in his own way. We realize the word of God tells us that he sets up rulers and he takes down rulers. He sets up governments. He takes down governments. It's all within his hand and the devil can't do nothing but what God allows it. And God uses nations many times in his great redemptive purpose as a natural protection and a nurturing place for the elect of God. We know that if we look back into the Old Testament before what we would call the the European civilizations, we can look back to the time of Daniel's vision and how that Daniel seeing the great image depicting uh, uh, great nations that would be upon the earth with a head of gold and and, and uh, shoulders of silver and and the loins of brass and legs of iron and and feet of iron and clay. It was representing civilizations of the Babylonian and the Persian and the Greek and the Roman and all of these things that would unfold over time. And and Daniel recognizing that there was, you know, the, the epitome was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, but then the ones after that would be would be stronger but less valuable. And so uh, he he saw these things and stay with me as I just go through a little bit of this this here, you know, because I find even sometimes our young people are not taught these things anymore. They're not taught history. They're just taught the modern things. And the, uh, I'm not, I can't say that about the local school, the church school here. I trust that they still teach the good old things. But, you know, sometimes in the modern public school, they don't want people to know the history. They don't know, want people to know where things actually come from. They're even taking out the history of our own nations and, and trying to rob people of their own heritage. But these are the things that are real, that in the midst of them, you can see the, the redemptive plan of God. We can see in the church ages that the Roman Empire fell apart. But yet out of that empire, whether it be Roman or uh, pagan Rome or when it became papal Rome or what they called the Holy Roman Empire, uh, we find that out of those places came the Apostle Paul, who, as we heard this morning, confessing, I'm a citizen of Rome and I appeal unto Caesar. He had his place in that kingdom and he had certain rights within that kingdom. All right, we, we can go down to Irenaeus or Columba or, or who we call Saint Martin, even though he's not a, maybe a saint in the, the, the Catholic way in our viewpoint, but we differentiate him by the name Saint Martin. And, or we could go into Germany and how that Luther as the great German states were there and Luther arose out of Germany. There was a purpose in God bringing him out of Germany. In all of these places, there's a purpose. God allows a certain national spirit. God allows things. Our pastor has ministered on that, that there's a reason that Wesley came out of England as, as England became the preeminent power in the world. And, and, and God used that to spread the gospel all over the world. But then his last day's prophets, brother, prophet, brother Branham came out of America, out of the United States, because the United States has a certain spirit. It has a certain, uh, a certain approach to things that, that everything America is number one and all those kind of things. You've, you've probably heard Brother Biscoe preach on it, but there's a purpose that God has in that. 
There, there, there's a divine purpose in these things. These are not things that are just happen chance. No more than the things that are happening right now are not happen chance. They're not just coincidences. They're not just unexpected things that might be unexpected to us because we're in these mortal bodies, but they're not unexpected to God. He knows all things. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. There's nothing that surprises God. And so there, there's everything that we see around us has a purpose. And that purpose might not always be good. I just want to say, Canada is not a nation that's really talked about in the Scriptures. Brother Branham talks about Canada and the United States as twin sisters or twins. and and uh, But we're not really listed as a great country that has a lot of impact on history and uh, and certainly when you live in the shadow of as impactful a nation as the United States, there's, people are not going to see a lot of the good points. It's kind of like a, a homely sister living in the shadow of her beautiful sister. You know, everybody looks at the beautiful sister and the homely sister doesn't really get noticed. And that's the way we feel in Canada. (laughs) But that's all right. We're not trying to be noticed. That's the way Canadians are. You know, we're not trying to be anything special. But our countries, you know, I, I guess I could say if there's anything about Canada, is that God's prophet loved to come up here in the wilderness. And there's, there's a pristineness to Canada and, and I've lived for many years up in the north, uh, where Brother Biscoll is from originally. Uh, I wasn't raised in the north, so I'm not a true northerner. I was actually raised here in Vancouver, in the lower mainland, even though I spent 27 years in the north. And, and uh, excuse me for, for just dropping this in. I like to tease Brother Biscoll said, I live more in the north than you did. But, uh, but actually, I, I said, I said, you know, I wasn't raised in the north, so I was never a true northerner. So I could say maybe I was a Pharisee northerner. And, uh, I, it wasn't really my nature. I, I was raised in the city down in the lower mainland here. Actually, I grew up in Richmond, for those of you that are from here. But Canada in the, and the United States differ in this main point of beginning. In that our country, Canada, was built on confidence and continued, continued loyalty to the monarchy. And that's kind of what built our country. We maintained a part of the British Empire for many, many years. And, and that was our, our, uh, our basis of existence. And many people that were in the United States, they, uh, that they didn't want to follow what in those days was called the rebellion of the United States, they moved to Canada. And they came and they were called loyalists. And they came here and, and joined with the Canadians. But the USA was built on the distrust of strong government. And the distrust or, or uh, dislike of, uh, of a heavy hand of the monarchy and and the centralized government is what they were built on. So both our countries claim similar freedoms. And both claim certain rights that are similar. In Canada we have what's called, I think, uh, 
Is it the Bill of Rights or the Charter of Rights? That's the word, the Charter of Rights in Canada. In the United States, you have the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And some of the wording is similar. And But in Canada, we have an attitude towards it, which is not necessarily a good attitude, which which is we've built our nation on the trust of government and the trust of leadership. Whereas in America or the United States, the people reserve the right to rebel in support of their individual rights. They reserve the right to bear arms. They reserve the right to, to do what they feel to do. And, and, and it's built right into their sense uh, of being right in that nation. So while we might say uh, we all have freedom of religion in, in word, we take our countries rather take a different attitude towards freedom of religion. There's a different attitude in Canada than there might be in the United States. Now, this is not a political service. I'm actually going somewhere spiritually. But I, I just want to lay something out. Because freedom of religion is one thing that we have in common. And Brother Branham, he takes up, uh, when he talks about the United States, he, he oftentimes will compare the United States to Israel. And as he compares it to Israel, he says, they parallel one to the other. He says, and remember, Israel came up, took her homeland in Palestine, drove back all the occupants of the land, and possessed the land. And then he says, we, speaking of the United States, we came in and took, took it from the Indians, drove them back, and possessed the land. God had a reason for that. God was going to show the world what he could do with a little band of people that wanted freedom and freedom of religion to serve God. So I want you to notice that statement that he's making here in 1961 in Jezebel religion. He says back in the, in the very humble beginnings of the United States, God was going to show the world what he could do with a little group of people that wanted freedom of religion. God was going to show the entire... The whole world was expecting it would fail. France was expecting it would fail. England was expecting it would fail. Many were expecting it would fail. But God was showing something. God was declaring something. Now in the Bible, where the United States appears, it starts out like a lamb. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11, it says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake like a dragon, though. It says, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Revelation 13, Revelation 13 talks about the beast coming up out of the sea. I think, Brother Tom, you might have mentioned that briefly this morning and and, and uh, uh, how that that this beast now, the Bible says, received a deadly wound, but it was healed of its wound. And Brother Branham explains that's the Roman Empire coming out of thickness and multitude of people. But yet in the midst of that, when it, when it was wounded, it was healed. That's when pagan Rome became papal Rome. And then there was another beast that rose up. It was like a lamb. But this lamb eventually begins to speak just like the beast that went before it. 
All right? Didn't start out like that, but eventually it becomes like that. Now, I'm going to read you a few quotes here. Brother Brown says in Restoration of the Bride Tree, he says, The Bible said she come up like a little lamb, freedom of religion. Two little horns, civil and ecclesiastical. And after that, after a while, they united and he spoke like the dragon did and done everything that the dragon did before him. And the Bible says they made an image to the beast, the confederation of churches, just what they got in right now here in New York City. And, and he says, uh, all you Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, every one of you, ecumenical people out there trying to do such things as that, and selling out your birthrights to join the bunch of Babylon. Now, Brother Branham's making some declarations here in 1962. And he says, you're selling out your birthrights like Esau did for a mess of pottage. That's all you're going to get. That's all. Forming an image to the beat. Don't you fear communism, you fear Catholicism. Now, there, now the reason that I'm bringing this in is because I want to talk about the blessing of freedom of religion, which is the right attitude towards freedom of religion. All right? Because many times people can, like I said, in Canada, U.S., you have freedom of religion. But what's the right attitude towards it? It never was meant by God to have a state-run freedom of religion. I'm not getting into the political side of it here. But what I'm trying to do is bring out of the message, when Brother Branham began to speak of these things, and he began to speak about watch out for Catholicism, he was not talking about the Trinity doctrine. All right? He, even though the Trinity doctrine is false. And many other doctrines are false. And she's the cage full of every unclean and hateful bird. He's not talking about those things. But rather he begins to talk about a king that rises up. He says that doesn't know Joseph. And I'll read you some quotes here in just a moment. And he's specifically saying he doesn't know the blessing of freedom of religion. And that's why he was so against a Catholic president it wasn't the doctrine so much as the trinity or or all the intercession of saints or all that other nonsense that they have but rather it was more exactly like this person that one of the things of Catholicism is that they do not believe people are free to worship God the way they want to and that becomes an issue now Now, to go to the issue, you need to go to the message, Third Exodus, where Brother Brandon picks this up now. And there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. So you forgive me if I, if I just spend some time on this. I just feel like uh, we really need to know what the message says in this hour. Because the, the reason that I'm here and you're there is because we're not as free as we thought we were. And we hope to be free, but we're not trying to force our own freedom. We want to see what God says about it. And far be it from me to suggest we should do this or that. That's not my place. That's the place of the pastor. And I'm just, I just felt... I'll just be honest, as I was praying about this this weekend, um, 
as we all do as ministers, uh, it was just that statement that God just kept dropping into my heart. And there rose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And there rose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And that scripture we read. All right. So Brother Brown, I'm talking about the Exodus, the beginning of the Exodus. We've talked a lot about token life, and we'll come to that, Lord willing, briefly. But in the beginning of the Exodus, he says, he says, the iniquity of the Amorite denomination that's called them the church so long, till their iniquity is fulfilled, there's coming an Exodus where God will show who is who, where the church itself, the bride of Jesus Christ, will be exodused into the land that's promised. In my Father's house are many mansions in this place. All right? So I just want to quote that to start. So Brother Brown was saying, there's an iniquity level that has to come into place. An iniquity of the Amorites in those days. Brother Bram says the denominations. Iniquity, knowing what's right and not doing it. All right. So he goes on in the third Exodus. Well, I'm on page 19 and he says, he says, they're raised up a Pharaoh. He says, notice before this Exodus, they're raised up a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. So that's a necessary condition for the Exodus. He says, a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. What was Joseph representing? The spiritual part in this spiritual exodus there raises up now, and then he just makes a statement, we are freedom. And he says, but finally there raised up a Pharaoh dictator who knew not the freedom of religion, uniting them together. And then he says, don't let it pass you. He says, there come a time where there was a Pharaoh first had to come. All right, we're going to skip a little bit here. He says, there was a Pharaoh that raised up who did not know Joseph. That was the beginning of the beginning. That was the beginning of the Exodus. So he's talking about the necessary ingredients for the Exodus. And when we talk about the Exodus, we're talking about a rapture. Praise the Lord. We're talking about getting out of here. We're talking about our liberty. All right, that what we have now is not the fullness of the liberty that God has promised us. We're talking about a liberty that we shall fully express. And I'll just say it this way. As long as we're living in these mortal bodies, we will not be able to express full liberty. But we are looking for full liberty. We are promised full liberty. We are are expecting the full inheritance of liberty the way God has it in his mind. Not the way it's written in some constitution. Or not the way it's written in some man's ideal. As much as even Brother Branham talking about the constitution. He says, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ was present when they were writing that constitution. But those principles now are not viewed in the same light as they were a few hundred years ago. Now let me just carry on. He says, the iniquity of the Amorites was fulfilled. The time that he promised Abraham was fulfilled and the time of deliverance was at hand. And God permitted a Pharaoh to raise up who knew not Joseph. And Ramses was born. Right after said he come Ramses. And Ramses was the one, this is the statement that I want to get to. Ramses was the one who knew not The blessings of Joseph. All right. Now I want you to catch this statement here. Because he's actually. Brother Branham zeroing something in for us. Because of course he didn't know Joseph. Joseph had passed away. 
You know, he couldn't know Joseph as an individual. He couldn't know maybe Joseph even as historical or maybe thought uh, what Joseph did was was all natural because Brother Branham goes on to say he didn't know what the spiritual side was. He was only a political. All right, so this Ramses raises up to raise the nation or to lead the nation in the time of Moses, a Ramses that knew not Joseph to bring persecution upon the, the the Jews that are there. And as we heard this morning, it's for a purpose. Brother Ram says, I think if any man was spiritual, he could see what's taking place now. We're getting a Pharaoh who knows not freedom of religion. So now Brother Branham here specifically is referring to John F. Kennedy as the president that was coming in, the first Catholic president. Listen, and it's nothing about um, being against the, any Catholic. That's not the point. The point is that he's recognizing, even as I, I talked about, I think when I preached on the Euphrates River driving, drying up, how that the majority, the vast majority of the, of the Supreme Court is now Catholic. And these are all people that are raised without the understanding of freedom of religion. And I'll say it this way. The blessing of freedom of religion. Now remember, God had determined in the beginning of America to show the world what he could do with a small group who just wanted to worship God according to the dictates of their own hearts. That's what it was all about. That was where the blessing came from. You talk about the blessing of the Pilgrim Fathers and the blessing of, of how America started out. And it was God pouring in blessing. But why was he pouring in blessing? He was pouring in blessing because they had the right attitude towards serving God. It wasn't by denomination. It wasn't by a system. It wasn't by a man-controlled thing. It was people that moved with the Spirit of God. And if there was anything in America, that was what happened in until the Wesleyan revival came over and, and, and America had several awakenings during the 1800s and the Spirit of God moved and, and great things happened and until even to this century. Where was Azusa Street? In, in America. Where was Topeka, Kansas revival? It was in America. All of these things taking place. Why? Because God was pouring out blessings, but finally there rose up somebody out of the system. Not that he was a Catholic zealot. He wasn't a Catholic zealot. But he was a man that didn't understand. He was a natural man. And there's been Catholic presidents since, including the one that's there now. There, and, and there's been uh, a man that did not understand that there is blessings that go with freedom of religion. All right? You with me so far? Let me just read just a little bit further. Third Exodus. He says, There is an intellectual power working in Ramses, bringing him up to power, raising him up. Who knows not the freedom, what Joseph had done, what the church had done in the beginning. You see, the Pharaoh, Ramses, it was a, I don't know exactly, 100, 150 years earlier that Joseph had raised Egypt up 
to be a great power in the world? It was a man that was spiritual that God brought to that position to allow Israel to come into the land of Goshen and to be uh, nourished there for a season until the iniquity of the Amorites was full. All right, God had allowed all of that to happen throughout history. Listen, saints, the gospel does not happen in a day. The gospel changes people in a moment. But yet the trajectory of God's redemptive plan, as Brother Bram said, the wheels of God turn slowly. And things sometimes in our lives as we go through things and have wrestlings and struggles and, and, and things that we go in our life, and, and I'll bring it down to the personal level in a moment, but how that as we go through things, we have to recognize that while He may delay for a season, God will fulfill His Word. Hallelujah. Brother Bram says if God answered our prayers immediately, he says there'd be no faith in that. And there certainly would be no patience. And so we realize God has a purpose in doing it the way he does it. So he, he, he says here in one last statement from Third Exodus. Now you see why I wanted to tape this and send it to the people. The hour has arrived. The truth got to be known. The exodus is at hand the intellectual part looks perfect and it is perfect but perfectly the inspiration of satan and so from that time to this time we've seen the unfolding of satan's plan all right So while we are fighting for freedom, <laughs> I almost feel like I'm a political speaker now, <laughs> standing in an empty church. We're fighting for freedom. Yes, sir. Well, let me just say the freedom we're fighting for is not what the world calls freedom. We're fighting that the sons of God would be set free. As Jesus, as he spoke to the Jews, as, as they were there under Roman impression, and they were looking for freedom. They were looking for someone that would cast off the yoke of the government. Somebody that would, would allow them to return to the form of worship they previously had. Now remember that. They're, they're looking for something to change so they can make their own decisions. And the government wouldn't be making their decisions for them. And, and Jesus said to the Jews, and I'll say to you the same words. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. I'm glad he didn't say, and I'm sorry if this hurts somebody's feelings. I'm glad he didn't say, and the constitution will make you free. Or the court system will make you free. Or this one will make you free. Or that one. No, you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. There's the freedom we're fighting for. There's what we're looking for. The freedom that is in Jesus Christ. The freedom that this world knows nothing about. The freedom that this government, any government knows nothing about. It doesn't matter if it's communism. There's believers in, co in communist China that are free. There are believers in communist China in prison that are free. Hello? 
They're free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. They know they have a freedom that nobody else knows. They're not under the bondage the rest of the world is under. They, the Jews, they immediately answer Jesus. We be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, very verily I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. If Christ has set you free, you are free. Amen. There's nobody can take that away from you. There's nobody can rob you of your freedom. There's that song that goes, lock me up in a prison, throw away the key. Uh, It goes on and on, but I could still go free. Amen. It doesn't matter. The outer circumstances, the trials are not what binds me. The restraints of this age are not what binds me. There's nothing that binds me. That wherever I am, in whatever circumstance I find myself, if Paul says, though I be abound, though I be abased, it doesn't matter in all things. I've learned to be satisfied. Amen. Because I have a living God. Amen. I have a powerful God. I have the truth of the Word of God. Hallelujah. What we have is not American freedom or Canadian freedom. What we have is Holy Ghost freedom. Amen. Amen. It's only these bodies, as I said, that hold us back from our full and complete freedom. It's only these bodies that restrain us. One day these bodies will be chained, uh, will be loosed, and will be loosed from the chains. I think the sisters, the Biscal sisters sing a song like that of being loosed from the chains of these bodies. Uh, there's, we'll be, we'll be going out of here one day. Amen. We'll be liberated one day. Uh, you talk about freedom. We'll say, what were we thinking about on the earth? Freedom. This is freedom. To walk the realms of eternity is freedom. To walk the heavenlies will be freedom. To live forever. That's the kind of freedom I'm looking for. Hallelujah. One day death shall be swallowed up in victory. Brother Tom was talking this morning. I'm kind of homesick for a land. You know, we're, 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 we have, there is a land and we're kind of homesick for it, but it's not just a, another land. It's not just another dwelling place. It's not just another tabernacle. It's not just something else. It's freedom in the way that freedom is meant to be. Hallelujah. It's freedom of restraint. Hallelujah. There'll be no, there'll be no one for the devil to work on. Hallelujah. Why? Because we'll be in redeemed bodies. Amen. Think about it now. Why is the virus causing all the problems? Because people are not immune to it. And because of that, it restrains us. People got to wear masks. People got to stay in their homes. People can't fellowship. People can't go to church. People can't do this. People can't do that. Why? Because people are not immune to it. But one day our bodies will be changed. And we'll be immune to the devil. We can do anything that the Spirit leads us to do. Hallelujah. There'll be no restraints. The devil has no hold on us. That's why the Bible says he's bound for a thousand years. Not with a physical chain, but with a chain of circumstances. And the circumstances is he can't work on nobody. Because we're all in our glorified bodies. Hallelujah. That's the freedom I'm looking for. That's the liberty that I want to walk in. Hallelujah. 
Even the battle hymn of the Republic is about spiritual victory. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Oh, have your eyes seen that glory? Can you look out across the land? I look out across Canada that's locked down. You Americans look out across a land full of virus and different levels of lockdown. I look out across and I see the glory of the coming of the Lord. That's what I see. Hallelujah. He is tramping out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed his faithful lightning with his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. And his truth is setting at liberty. Hallelujah. And I just want to say I'm not believing for death to set us free. I'm believing for a rapture to set us free. So we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against the government. We're not wrestling against Premier Horgan or Governor Inslee. We're not wrestling against Prime Minister Trudeau or President Biden. That's not what we're wrestling against. We're wrestling, the Bible says, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There might be men, individuals, who have given themselves to the spiritual wickedness, but we're not against the men or the women, whatever their position is. And, and uh, uh, there is much to say on that subject, which we don't want to say. But all I'll say is we're not against individuals, but there is spiritual wickedness going on. And if the devil has his way, he'll say you'll never go back to church. But I say to the devil, and I believe you say with me, we shall have every right that God allows us to have. It's got nothing to do with what the devil wants. It has everything to do with what God wants. We want what God wants. That's the attitude that they had when they came to America. That's the place that they came to is we want what God wants. And it's not going to be easy. Listen, don't, don't be deceived. It was not easy there. They were in danger of extinction when they first came over here in North America. They had crop failures. They had, uh, they had weather problems. They had different problems. They had disease problems. They had all kinds of problems. But they were willing to pay the price to be able to attain what God had for them. Amen. Listen, that's, that's a key point that we're going to come back to. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to possess the promises no matter what the cost? So Joseph. Joseph. Brother Ram said he was a perfect type of Christ. A perfect type of Jesus Christ. His life was a prophecy of what Jesus Christ, the Messiah... The Lamb of God would uh, manifest on the earth. He was the type. Jesus was the anti-type. But he was more than a type of just another man. Because if he was a type of Christ, then his life would have to be a type of token life. Because that's the life that was in Jesus Christ. You see... What life was in Christ it is what was loosed at Calvary. 
through the breaking of the blood cell to create a spoken word bride to manifest that life in a bride. That in the last days, we would come back to the fullness of the word, that the life that was in Christ would be manifested once again in bride form. Amen? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about token life. We're not just talking about salvation, all right? We're not just talking about claiming our loved ones, but that's part of it. We're not just talking about that, but what we're talking about is the life that was there is the life that takes over here and begins to display itself in our lives in every circumstance. Now, the life that was in Jesus is the life that Joseph was typing. So he was typing the token on display. It wasn't just the blood on the doors, which Moses had, which... You know, Brother Murphy's preached on it, Brother Tom's preached on it recently, how that the life, the blood on the door, we don't have the natural blood, but now we have the life that was in the blood. That's the life in the believer by the new birth, by the, by, by the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the hour, how that that life then begins to display itself. Well, that was perfect. That was typed perfectly in Joseph because even as Brother Branham said, Joseph was a perfect man. And I'm amazed, even though we can look back at the prophets of old and say, as Brother Branham said, they had the Holy Ghost, but they weren't born again. They couldn't be born again because that could only come after the life was loosed at Calvary. But they did have the Holy Ghost in that they had an anointing that superseded anything else. I don't want to go into the differences and not that sort of thing. Just excuse my terminology if you if you have a problem with it, all right? I, I'm not trying to be dogmatic about something. But, but here... Brother Bradham's describing, he says, here's a perfect man. What a man that without the new birth could live such a life of character. And if that's so in the type of token life, what is it in the anti-type of token life? Amen. That that life comes into individuals. Listen, he had an unredeemed flesh. We have an unredeemed flesh. He had struggles. We have struggles. He had hardships. We have hardships. He was rejected. We are rejected. He was tempted. We are tempted. Amen. But the type was perfect. And if the type is perfect, the life within the believer is still perfect. Hallelujah. It's got to display itself in the same way. An amazing man right from his youth. Amazing. I could just talk. I love studying on Joseph's life. Brother Adam loved Joseph. And, you know, he was a, named his son after Joseph. You know, he, he was a spiritual man, Brother Branham said. That's important. It's not just good deeds. It's a, he was a spiritual man. In other words, he was sensitive to spiritual things. We know he was a prophet, but, but he was, he was mindful of, of the spiritual part of life. Listen, we live in an age. You know, it used to be. I don't know if I'm old enough to believe it, but I'm sure, or to remember it, but I was going to say, but Brother Tom, you're probably old enough. <laughs> you can get me back for that one. <laughs> Brother Tom's actually not much older than I am. But it's, it used to be that, you know, for someone to say we came from monkeys 
was laughed at. It was like, what kind of foolishness is that? That's nonsense, you know. That's, uh, they don't teach that stuff in our schools. Now, to say, we don't come from monkeys and you're laughed at. To say that we're a separate creation and now you're laughed at. The whole idea of science, so-called, has so turned things upside down till the natural life itself were deemed to be idiots to believe in God. And the whole of society is, is, lives their life as though there is no God and that's part of their problem. That's part of their problem. Now, Joseph was a spiritual man. You know, if I, even if I go back to his death, you know, we can talk about, well, let's start at his beginning first. He sees a dream. He's not trying to make himself anything. He said, I saw a dream. In my dream, your sheaves bowed down to my sheaf. I saw another dream. The sun or the moon and the stars bowed down to the sun or uh, I can't remember exactly. The sun, the moon, the stars bowed down to my stars. Sorry, I didn't read the dream before I came to the pulpit. But he said, you know, this is what I saw. He wasn't trying to say, you all need to bow down. He's just saying, this is what I saw. This is what it was. But his brothers hated them because he was a spiritual man. Now, let me just say it this way. They hated him because God was dealing with him. They hated them because they didn't understand it. They hated him because they didn't have the answer. But Joseph was a man that was sensitive to how God was dealing with him. Joseph, in other words, saw in his dreams that he was born to lead. But he wasn't leading. He was just a boy. And he was serving his brothers. And he was serving his parents. And he was taking food out to his brothers. And he was doing this. And he was doing that. And, you know, even though he was beloved of his father and all those kind of things. But yet he saw it there. And that, that he could see. You can't help but see what you see. Can you say amen to that? You are what you are by the grace of God. God deals with each one of you differently. Even Brother Branham explains in the kingdom of God. God has silver dollars. God has 50 cent pieces. He's got quarters. He's got dimes. He's got nickels. He's got pennies. He says Abraham was a silver dollar and Lot was a penny. Lot couldn't help but be what he was. But Abraham couldn't help but be what he was. And so God deals with us according as how he wants to make himself known to us individually. And I'll just say, be happy that God deals with you. Don't despise, oh, God, you deal with this one like this. I want to be like that. Or God, you deal with that one like that. I want you to deal with me like that. Don't be like that. Just be yourself and say, God, deal with me the way you want to deal with me. Show me what you want to show me. I, if I'm a, if I'm a brother, I don't want to be like another brother. If I'm a sister, I don't want to be like another sister. I want to be what God has called me to be. It's a personal walk. It's an individual revelation. The new birth is Jesus Christ revealed to you personally. Hallelujah. Not in a church, but a personal revelation of Jesus Christ to you individually i was thinking of joseph how even in death now he's dying it's the end of the road what does it matter right it mattered it mattered to joseph 
And he knew what mattered in life was not how many people came to his funeral, was not all the accolades, was not that somebody build a monument for me or, 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 or somebody make some great epitaph on this world. He says, no, when I die, don't leave my bones here. He says, God is going to fulfill his word. And he's going to bring you out of here with a mighty hand. And when you go, take my bones. Because I'm going to the land of the resurrection. Take my body to where it was in the resurrection. Now you might say, well, what does it matter once you die? What does it make a difference once you're, once you're dead and buried? What's going to happen is going to happen. No, Joseph knew. I'm not waiting for the white throne judgment. I'm not waiting for the last resurrection. I want to be in the first resurrection. I want to be when the dead come out, when the Messiah comes. He says, I want to be there when he comes. Amen. I know I'm going to be safe on the other side. I know I'm going to, but I want to be right in the center of his will. No matter what it takes, you must promise me, take my sarcophagus, take my bones, take my mummy, take it out of here and bury me in the promised land. Hallelujah. That's the attitude of the believer, even in death. Says, I want to be in the center of God's will. I want to be buried in the center of God's will. Hallelujah. If I die, let me be buried in the center of his will. Sister Allison wrote a song. Don't leave my bones in Egypt. Carry me to the promised land. She didn't write very many songs, but I still remember that one. I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh, mercy. Little inside minister's joke there. Sorry. I'll maybe fill you in later. Praise the Lord. What a God we serve. What a message. What a reality. What a sovereignty. We believe in a sovereign God. And we believe in free moral agency. That you must choose to serve this God. But we also believe in election. That God knows what's in you. And he'll make sure that if you're his elect, he'll bring what's necessary to bring you in. And that's hard. As Brother Bram says, we preach like it's for everybody. But we know it's only for the elect. And that's just the reality of the situation. But yet in the midst of it all, I can say God's going to bring you in. But I don't know who you are. So I trust you're one of them. And if you are one of them, you'll be miserable in this world. But if you're not one of them, you'll enjoy the world. So I'll just say, enjoy what you got because it's not here for long. But those of us that are going to have eternity, we're going to enjoy it forever. Hallelujah. We'll walk in that happiness we've been talking about in a greater way than ever before. You know, leaders need to lead. I'm going to give myself maybe 15 more minutes. Leaders need to lead. That's pretty straightforward. But the reason that there's men like Washington and Lincoln in the United States, they're some of the current great leaders. We could go back to Joshua. We could go back to the Old Testament, whatever. But uh, the reason that they're considered great men is because of the decisions they made to put the USA on the path to greatness. All right? The freedom of the slaveries. 
the slaves. The, how that, but I'll go even further with Lincoln and how that, you know, he, the decisions are not always popular decisions. If you've ever read the history of the American Civil War and how that Lincoln put U.S. Grant in charge of the armies. And he was not a popular choice. If anything, he was an extremely unpopular choice. But Lincoln had the foresight to see in him the necessary ingredients to bring about the victory. And in the victory was a furtherance of the nation. But it wasn't an easy decision at the time. There were men that were trying to undermine Grant. There were men that were trying to to defame him and bring up his past and the things that he had done. Listen, as far as history was concerned, he was a washed up drunken general. That's that's what history recorded of him. But there was something in him. He was made for the season that he was put in position. And you look at George Washington and the decision he made after two terms. How that, you know, they said, you know, we'll make you king. We'll, we'll make a monarchy out of your family. You know, we'll, we'll install you. The people were trying to promote him and, and make him a great man. But he says, no, two, two terms is enough for a president. It wasn't popular. But he, he stepped down seeing this is what's best for the nation. Now I want you to see that something because I was thinking about the Pharaoh that put Joseph in position. He must have been a great man. Not a not necessarily a gifted man, but a great man. Because he saw in Joseph the necessary ingredients to take his nation forward. Alright? Now remember, Joseph represented freedom of religion. And Pharaoh could see the blessing in putting Joseph in that position. He was able to look beyond maybe what everybody else thought around him. I don't know if this has been used. Uh, It was already open. Okay, I'm going to close that and maybe if somebody, one of the deacons that are in the building felt led to bring me a bottle of water, that would be great. Now, Pharaoh... And what everybody else saw, they, they, they look around him and who's this man? He just come out of prison. Matter of fact, he's an accused rapist. Hello? He's an accused rapist of Potiphar's wife, uh, or attempted rapist. And, and, and now this man come out of prison, interprets the dream. And on the basis of the interpretation of the dream and the advice that accompanied that, Pharaoh says, you know what? You're the man. And you know what? Not just a man. I'm not going to just build you a separate, uh, what would we call that now? A separate department in the government. And uh, we'll call it the wheat storage department or whatever. You know, it's, uh, no, no, we're not going to do something separate. I'm going to put you in position over everybody. Matter of fact, only when I'm sitting in the throne will I be over you. You're going to have such power and such authority in this nation such as been unheard of outside of a pharaoh. Now what, I, what I'm getting to here, the thought that I'm, what I want you to see here now is here's a man that found the channel of blessing for his people. He wasn't a believer, but he found the channel. God is blessing this one. And Pharaoh says, this one. Must needs to be in a position 
of authority. And because he has this great wisdom, I'm going to set him there. And because he set him there, then Joseph was now in position to take that nation of Egypt, which was a, we'll call it at that time, a middling nation, and be, and through the famine, and through the plenty to start before the famine, and through the right management of it, now Joseph raised up that country to be the premier country in the entire world. Because Pharaoh saw in a prisoner who interpreted a dream the right gift to lead the nation. Hallelujah. What was it? There was a blessing laying there. In other words, there was something beyond just the natural eye could see. There was something spiritual. And if I could tap into that spiritual, my nation will go places. And his nation went places. His nation just took off. You call it a great investment, if you could call it that way. He got in at the ground floor. And Joseph, you know, but Joseph now, I want to talk about Joseph Because Joseph was put through trials. That no matter what was around him, no matter what the circumstances were, and this is what made Joseph the way the way he was, was that no matter what happened, this is token life now, no matter what happened, his desire was to do the will of God. Jesus said, my food, my meat is to do the will of the Father. Amen. His, his Jesus reality, the life that was in Jesus was I do nothing but what my father shows me first. There's a great portion here that's taking place in this reality. And Joseph now is declaring this. His eyes, listen saints, I'm not talking about Joseph now, I'm talking about you. His eyes was totally on the Lord. What do you have for me in this situation? His decisions reflected upon that. He wasn't a man that was trying to make his life in earth comfortable, nor was he trying to make it uncomfortable. But no matter what happened, he had confidence in what God had showed him. Now there's another characteristic here, because Joseph did not try and make it happen. He believed God. And amen, just like Abraham, he believed God. When God said, count the stars in the heaven. If you can number them, so shall your seed be. Count the sand on the seashore. If you can number them, so shall your seed be. And God was declaring it to Abraham. And Abraham just believed God. And God accounted that to righteousness. And God showed his will to Joseph. He says, you might not understand this now. You might not understand the the sheaves and the stars and everything bowing down. Down to you, but yet this is going to come to pass. Thank you very much, Brother Sam. Amen. It's going to come to pass in your life. And Joseph believed God. And Joseph let God's word unfold by walking in perfect obedience. Obedience to every word of God entitles you To token life. Now this is where we begin to overlap with brother Tom this morning. 
Because if there's one thing that Joseph had, was a full confidence that what God said, he will do. That was the, that was the reality to him. Listen, God's going to do what he said he will do. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter that I'm in prison. It doesn't matter that they've forgotten about me here. It doesn't matter that it was two years ago that the butler and the baker went out of here. It doesn't matter all of those things. God's going to fulfill His Word anyway. I don't know what the time is. I don't know what the season is. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we talk about, listen, I got children that I'm believing for just like you do. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. There ain't nobody knows what, how much you pray or how much I pray or whatever more it is. It's not my prayer's gonna save them. It's God's gonna save them. Salvation is of the Lord. I believe my prayers are going to influence them. But it's, but yet in the midst of all that, I'm not looking at it like, oh, you know, what about this or what about that? No, they're coming in. That's just the reality. It's not, it doesn't matter to me if it's today, tomorrow. I don't look at the daily events of life being worried. Oh, well, how come I didn't get out of prison today? Or how come I'm not out of prison tomorrow? Or how come I'm not out of prison the day after that? No, in whatever circumstances I find myself, I'm just going to serve the Lord. I'm just going to walk with God. I'm just going to express this token life. Matter of fact, he so expressed token life in the prison that they put him in charge of the prison. He was a man, as he was a prisoner, but he was in charge of all the other prisoners. Why was token life on display? That's why Brother Branham says you create an atmosphere around about you. Everybody loves that atmosphere. Everybody likes to be in that atmosphere. Everybody likes to hear what you have to say about things when you're allowing that atmosphere to control and be present in your life. Amen. He walked in full confidence that what God said, God will do. And I want you to notice... Again, Brother Tom already brought it out this morning, though not necessarily explicitly saying so. The word confidence, the word boldness, and the word persuaded are all interrelated in the Bible. Whether you talk about confidence, whether you talk about boldness, as a matter of fact, in some cases, they're actually the same Greek word that is is interpreted differently. But I want to read you a couple of scriptures, and then we'll close. Psalms 118 and verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. Now I want to say, that's token life. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? That's how Joseph walked. That's how we walk. It's not, not a matter of what this world has decided. It's a matter of what God has decided. It says, the Lord, is, the Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Or I'll say rulers. I I don't put my confidence in whatever this government of whatever nation or whatever uh, a region is going to decide, my confidence doesn't lay there. My confidence is in the Lord. Can you say, I hope you can say amen to that tonight, that your confidence is in the Lord. Proverbs, that was David, this is Proverbs, this is Solomon saying, be not afraid of sudden fear, 
neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Amen. In other words, when all around you is falling apart, don't worry. God's got you covered. He's got your footsteps. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Put your confidence entirely in Him. In 1 John chapter 5 it says, This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Amen. And we know what... And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Amen. Brother Tom read... I'm shifting gears here now, so I'm just going quickly. Brother Tom read out of Romans, for I am persuaded that neither death nor height, etc. Paul was persuaded. Listen, that same, that same word persuaded is the same word confidence. I am confident. I am persuaded. I, I am fully convinced. I'm walking under this anointing of a token life that nothing can touch me. Death, life, angels, principalities, powers, present, things present or things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm persuaded. I'm fully confident. I in no way can be deterred. It doesn't matter. Oh, a thousand fall by by my right hand and 10,000 by my left hand, it will not come nigh unto me because I am persuaded that God has appointed my life. God has appointed me for a body change. Amen. God has appointed me for a rapture. God has appointed me to catch away from here. God has appointed it. I didn't choose it myself, but God appointed me for that. Hallelujah. And I believe him. I believe him. Amen. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Oh, what Paul was persuaded. I've committed some things to the Lord. You've committed your family to the Lord. You've committed your loved ones to the Lord. You've committed your ways to the Lord. I'm persuaded. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. Amen. I pause there for a loud amen. And I'm sure it's loud on that side of the screen. But I'll tell you what. It's loud here. I just want to say amen and amen. I'm persuaded. It doesn't matter. Though even I go to my grave. If the Lord would tarry that long. I am persuaded the things that I've committed unto him. Will come to pass. Because it's promised in his word. Hallelujah. Excuse me for getting preachy. I just leave it up to the preachers usually. And stick with teaching. But. We'll just keep preaching if that's okay. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 says, These all died in faith. Speaking of who? Joseph, Moses, uh, Sarah, Abraham, all of these ones. These all died in faith. Not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them. Or in other words, and had confidence in them. And embraced them. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And there's one reason, as I bring this, try to wind this down. One of the reasons that people hate us is because we're sure of that. We're just sure of it. It's real to us. 
It's more real than this natural realm. And even Paul spoke of that. And he says, seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. That's the problem with us as believers. I don't necessarily say it's a problem. It's a good problem to have. Because those that believe are actually bold. Brother Tom talked about boldness this morning. And, and I don't want to fit into the mindset of a denominational Christian that just wants to be po- politically correct with everybody and give everybody their portion and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Listen, if you want to be in Esau's portion, you go over there and eat them. If you want to be over there with Moab, you go ahead and be over there with Moab. I'll tell you what, I've got a land that I am called to possess. And I am determined as Caleb was to take my mountain. Caleb never went to Joshua and says, you know what? Moses made so many promises. I'm just here to help everybody collect their promises. And, you know, we'll just have a good time. No, Caleb says, Moses promised me that where my footsteps were, I would possess that. And Joshua, I'm asking you now, give me my mountain. Joshua being a type of the Holy Spirit where the believer could say, I see it in the word. Lord, you promised it to me. Now I'm saying, Lord, according to your promise, give me my mountain. I must possess it. And for that reason, we are bold. We're not holding on to a message that's a maybe message. We're not holding on to a philosophy. We're not holding on to some kind of man's idea. We're holding on to thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. We're holding on to a vindicated prophetic message for this hour. You know, in Acts chapter 4, when the believers walked out of the upper room and they began to witness and Peter and John were called to, to the courts because of their attitude towards the man with lame feet. And their attitude was not what we would call a good Christian which was give money. No, they said silver and gold have we none. But such as we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. They were convinced. They were walking in token life. They were displaying the life of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus, when, when, he, when he came across a sick person, he never gave them advice on how to live sick. No, there was virtue went out from him. There was strength that poured into the natural body because he was the mighty God that heals all our sicknesses and diseases. Every disease must fade away at the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to say it. We're not here to live a maybe or a hope so. We're here because it's the promise of the Word of God. And if God ever healed a sick person once and you meet God on the same conditions, He is obligated God, who created heavens and earth, is obligated to heal you also. Hallelujah. Brother Caleb, give me a little more sound up here, if you don't mind. I just feel like my voice is straining. We have, we have this great boldness, Paul says. And they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They got hauled in before the court. They saw the boldness of him and perceived that they had been with Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's how I want people to walk, to understand me. I want them to perceive that I've been with Jesus. Not my own strength, not my own intellect, not my own intelligence, not my own convincing arguments, but may they perceive that there's something more there than just Tim Dodd. 
May they perceive that there's something more there than just grace beady. May they perceive that there's something more there than just put your name there, Sister Esther. It doesn't matter who you are, Brother Gideon. May they perceive there's something greater there because it's a token life that's on display. Hallelujah. And they, they, they released them, told them, don't preach no more. <laughs> yeah, just try it, government. Just try it. Don't, don't preach no more. Don't preach in Jesus' name no more. <laughs> don't even go there. And the Bible says they went out, they prayed together, they worshiped God. The place they were in was shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost again. Hallelujah. And they preached the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God that was there. We can't help it. It's the life that's inside of us. There's just a boldness that rises up because it's a reality. It's not a religious idea. Sometimes I think that the governments, the way they treat us, they think, oh, well, these people are just religious. We are not religious. Okay. Just get it out of your minds. I hope Premier Horgan, you're listening to this one. That Get it out of your minds that we're just religious. We are not religious. We have the life of Jesus Christ in us. That's living the word of God out of us. We're not some church. We're not some idea. We're not some man-made thing. We are the token life of Christ on display in the last days. Hallelujah. We can't hold ourselves. Boldness is built into the package. Hallelujah. It is. Paul says to the Philippian church, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. And then he says, whether by life or by death. If I live, let it magnify Christ. If I die, let it magnify Christ. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I'm not holding on to some kind of earthly existence. But rather, he says, whatever I do, I pray that it magnifies Christ. He says, for to me, to live is Christ. But to die is gain. Because there's where the real freedom is. Amen. So we can come boldly before men. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can walk boldly. There was a man that was a... We talked about him recently. Jacob. He He was a running coward. Until one day... He met God. And God loved Jacob. But he hated Esau. Why did he hate Esau? Because Esau looked like a good man. He took care of his daddy. He loved to hunt. He loved to fish. It wasn't unclean things. I don't think the Bible describes Esau as running around with women or being a drunkard or any of those kind of things. Esau... Naturally speaking, his daddy loved him. Isaac loved Esau and appreciated everything that Esau did for him. But there was a problem with Esau in that he could never get past the natural life. Brother Branham says it in one place. He says, these two boys, if we notice their nature, one of them was a spiritual man. That was Jacob. And the carnal man was Esau. But they were both religious. And that same thing that took place all down through the age, the carnal and spiritual. Esau represented the man of the earth, natural, religious inclined, 
but never able. It wasn't in him to do it. He couldn't do it. He never was in him to be able to climb past the natural things of the world, the carnal things. We all have natural things. We all have carnal things. You got to go to work. You got to, you got to do the job that you do. You got to put money in the bank so you can buy food, all of those kind of things. We all got to do that. When I go home, I was looking at the garbage can when I left. I go, when I go home, I guess I better take out the garbage. You know, there's natural things got to be done and, and different things that we all got to deal with them. But to Jacob, there was more. But to Esau, that was it. Try and make the best existence. He didn't deny God. He didn't deny there was a God. But he couldn't rise up into the realms of God's redemptive thoughts. And so he says he never was able to climb past the things of the world, the carnal things. But Jacob, it was just so easy for him to do it. One purpose Jacob had, and that was that he longed for the birthright. Listen to this now. No matter how he got it, just so he got it. That's what it was that God loved about Jacob. You say, well, Jacob deceived Esau. Jacob was dishonest. Jacob deceived Isaac and, and, and all of those things. But God saw in Jacob a greater thing that no, no matter if it cost me my home, it cost me my, my, my residency, it cost me my reputation, it cost me all these things, I want that birthright. That birthright is everything. The new birth is everything. It's not, it's not your life and the new birth. No, the new birth is everything. And Jacob desired that above everything. But Esau despised the birthright. Why? Now, now Esau did not despise the blessings. Esau wanted the blessings. Matter of fact, when it came time for the blessings, Esau went out to catch the venison, to take it to his father, to have him bless him. And that's when Jacob stole in and, and stole the blessing of the, of the firstborn or the birthright and, and, and took that and, and caused Esau to, to come against him. But all of that now, uh, Esau is like so many people. And I'll just say it this way, and I want this to sink deep now as we, we're coming to a conclusion here. Esau wanted the blessing of being a believer, but he didn't want the cost or the responsibility of being a believer. I want you to ask yourself a question tonight. We all love the blessings of God. There's not one of us that would say we don't want God to bless us. We want God to bless us. We want His blessings. We want His help. We want His mercies. We desire the blessings of God. All of us in every walk of life, we desire the blessings of God. But I, I, I want you to search your heart and I'll say, I want you to find that Jacob nature and zero in on that and say, but I want the birthright. I want to be born again. Or in other words, I want to be in the center of God's will because the birthright was to be in the lineage of the Messiah. 
All right, that's the birthright to carry on down through Israel, the lineage of the Messiah. And, and so Jacob wanted that birthright. He wanted to be in the center of God's will no matter what it cost him. Though it cost him everything, he had to run away with nothing out into the wilderness and flee for his life because Esau wanted to kill him. But he was willing to even do that if that's what it took for the birthright. Let's bow our heads together. The musicians can come. I thought I might go a different direction tonight, but I'll just stop here. And I just want to say, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, the blessings of God are wonderful. They are absolutely wonderful. I can say God has blessed me all of my life. He's he's watched over me. He's protected me. He's supplied for me. He's healed me. He's done so much for me. I have no reason to complain even when I'm tempted to complain. But yet in all of those things, if I have all of the blessings without the birthright, then what do we have? We have just hollowness. See, Brother Branham said, America is living on the, the blessings that have come down from the, the first generation of Americans. But they've rejected the birthright. Don't reject the birthright. Don't reject the cost. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's true. But are you willing to forsake all? I'm not saying you need to forsake all. I'm saying, are you a Jacob? I believe you are. But sometimes we, it's good for us to renew our vows. I'll say, renew our vows of Jacobness. Because in that desire for the birthright, Jacob came to the place in his life where he could cross the brook after having wrestled with the angel and go from a running coward to a limping prince who had power with God. Fearless, boldness, unconcerned about this world, knowing that he had power with God. As our heads are bowed, and maybe there's somebody out there over the internet, or even somebody here in the sanctuary, if there's just a few bodies here, even in the service, just doing the, the different equipments. Maybe there's somebody that would say, Lord, I want to be more like Jacob and less like Esau. I'm sure we all would as believers. But I think I want to just take it a step further and say, is there somebody that says, I haven't wrestled with my angel? I haven't had my wrestling with God till I can walk away and say, it doesn't matter what this world will do unto me. It doesn't matter what man can do unto me. I can walk in boldness knowing that I've met God and I know Him in the power of His resurrection. Maybe that you just want to acknowledge that before God right now as we go to prayer in your heart. You just hold that, whether it be an upraised hand, 
whether it be your words, whatever it would be, Heavenly Father, Lord, as the piano is softly playing, have your way, Lord, have your way. Lord, as we stand before you this evening in this sacred hour of a Sunday evening service, I I feel ill-equipped, Lord, uh, for a Sunday evening service. Lord, I don't feel like I have the necessary gifts and the, the talents of some of these brothers. But Lord, your word is still your word. And Lord, I pray that as I lay the word before the people and they examine their own heart, Lord, this isn't an hour to just let it go by and say, well, it doesn't really matter. When Joseph came to the end of his life, he had a boldness. It says, don't you dare leave my bones here. You take me out because there's a promise that's coming. And I want to be part of that promise. Maybe there's somebody here that's tired of the devil pushing them around. Somebody that's listening that's tired of what the devil's trying to do in their lives. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. May your holy presence come to that individual right now. Like your angel came to Jacob at the brook, oh God. And may there be a wrestling and may there be an obtaining. May there be a blessing not from man, but may there be a blessing from on high. Lord, as it were, a putting of the hip out of joint. That they could walk from this service tonight and say something changed. Something happened there. I needed a meeting with God and God met me there. I touched the hem of his garment by faith. I received virtue into my life. It brought about a change. Maybe there's somebody with a physical need, Lord, that just needed the, the, the preaching of the word to inspire faith in them that said, God promised it. I'm accepting his promise for my healing. I'm accepting him as my healer tonight. He healed someone else. He must heal me. I'm walking from this service tonight with faith, saying, God is my deliverer. God is my healer. Jesus Christ has given his blood that I might be healed. Lord, we commit every life into your hands. We commit every soul into your hands. Your word is designed to quicken the elect, O God. And so we commit them to you, Father. And ask, Lord, that you'll just bless it now to the receiving of every soul. We commit it to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen, and amen. Have your way. We could stand if you want, wherever you are. Let's just tell him, Lord, have your way. Oh, have your way. Have your way. Holy Spirit, fill our lives. Have your way. As we wait, as we pray. your prayers we say it again
time together. song that just kind of expresses the service tonight it's it's a song i know whom i have believed and am persuaded you know that one that he is able to keep that which i've committed unto him against that day we can sing the verses you know there might be a lot that i don't know but i know whom i have believed and i'm persuaded that he's more than able Amen. Let's sing that together. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me hath made no, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own.
got something to say, maybe you could come and make an announcement and dismiss us with a word of prayer. God bless you. We just have, uh, wanted to make sure that everybody knew that we're going to have young people's on uh, Friday, this coming Friday night. And so that'll be the February the 26th. I want to make sure that everybody, uh, all the young people and even those that are not so young have joined in on that. So Friday, Friday night, amen, uh, 26th. 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, same time as all times, if you're a little early, that's okay, we'll let you in, we'll just have a wonderful time together, amen, we've had a wonderful day, power pack day, and we'll just pray and ask the Lord to dismiss us now, Heavenly Father, we've sung, Lord, your praises, we've heard your word, Lord, Lord, I would believe it spoke to individual hearts, Lord, throughout the day, and Lord, may each one now go home as we think of your scripture mentioned many times, the ones that walked in the, down the road of Emmaus. And Lord, you just ponder, Lord, what it would have been like as they walked, Lord, maybe one on each side of you. and You communed with them and you spoke to them in your scriptures. How, Lord, you're fulfilling the, the prophecies therein, Lord. And they were just, Lord, just in wonderment and amazement. Lord, we can look at the scripture and we can point back to that time. But Lord, today, Lord, even today, Lord, you are the same God. Yesterday, today, and forever. And today, Lord, that same road. Lord, if you may, Lord, is here today. And so I pray, Lord, that each one of your children today, Lord, had the ability, Lord, to enter into a walk and fellowship with you today, Lord, as your word was spoken this morning and this evening. And Lord, now as we would depart, and each one would go there, maybe their separate way, or click the button. 
Lord, they could just be in the same amazement and wonderment. Wonderment, Lord, of their hearts. And Lord, we were just walking with the Lord today. And our hearts burned within us. Lord, may that be reality. Lord, and as Brother Tim spoke tonight, Lord, of Jacob. Lord, and that the importance of the birthright. Lord, may there be a desperation. Lord, in a heart, Lord, that was maybe pricked tonight. That Brother Tim prayed, I need to wrestle with my angel. Lord, they would not let you go. Lord, they wouldn't let this button, Lord, click the little red button on Zoom or the little X at the top of the corner streaming until, Lord, they got a hold of you and their life has been changed forevermore, Lord, because that's what we're here for tonight, Lord. But Tim didn't come just to speak words, Lord, but he came to be set aside as a gift and a vessel so that, Lord, your angel could be brought before your people and, Lord, they could wrestle with you and, Lord, attain, Lord, the birthright that, Lord, is the most important thing of this whole entire entire world to to obtain is to obtain christ so lord may they go tonight lord after a day of being in your word in your atmosphere lord rejoicing and holding on to your word go with each one lord dismiss us through this week protect each one may your holy spirit cover your people lord around lord this little area lord in blaine and bellingham and vancouver wherever it may be cover your bride lord in this time we pray in jesus christ's name You're dismissed. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Until we meet again on Wednesday night, Lord willing. See you later. God bless you.